Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, May 29th. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot or Pentecost. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year, Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sunset on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kidshanu mitzvotav zivanu al sefirat haomer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad La Omer. Today is the 43rd day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Bamidbar, and it means in the wilderness. Numbers 1, 1-20 A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai. On the first day of the second month of that year, he said, From the whole community of Israel record the names of all the warriors by their clans and families. List all the men, twenty years old or older, who are capable to go to war. You and Aaron must register the troops, and you will be assisted by one family leader from each tribe. These are the tribes and the names of the leaders who will assist you. Reuben, Eliezer, son of Shidur, Simeon, Shalumiel, son of Zerishadai, of the tribe of Judah, Nashon, son of Amenadab, of the tribe of Issachar, Nathanael, son of Zuar, of the tribe of Zebulun, Eliab, son of Helon, of the tribe of Ephraim, son of Joseph, and of the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, Elishama, son of Amihud, and Gamaliel, son of Pedasur, of the tribe of Benjamin, Abidan, son of Gideoni, of the tribe of Dan, Ahizer, son of Amishadai, of the tribe of Asher, Pagiel, son of Akran, of the tribe of Gad, Eliasaf, son of Duel, of the tribe of Naphtali, Ahira, son of Duel, of the tribe of Naphtali, Ahira, son of Enon, 
These are the chosen leaders of the community, the leaders of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. So Moses and Aaron called together these chosen leaders, and they assembled the whole community of Israel on that very day. All the people were registered according to their ancestry by their clans and families. The men of Israel who were twenty years old or older were listed one by one, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses recorded their names in the wilderness of Sinai. 2 Samuel 14, 1-15-22 Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom. So he sent for a woman from Tekoa who had a reputation for great wisdom. He said to her, Pretend you are in mourning. Wear mourning clothes and don't put on lotions. Act like a woman who has been mourning for the dead for a long time. Then go to the king and tell him the story I am about to tell you. Then Joab told her what to say. When the woman from Tekoa approached the king, she bowed with her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, O king, help me. What's the trouble? the king asked. Alas, I am a widow, she replied. My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field, and since no one was there to stop it, one of them was killed. Now the rest of the family is demanding, Let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit his family's property. They want to extinguish the only coal I have left, and my husband's name and family will disappear from the face of the earth. Leave it to me, the king told her. Go home, and I'll see to it that no one touches him. Oh, thank you, my lord, the king, the woman from Tekoa replied. If you are criticized for helping me, let the blame fall on me and on my father's house, and let the king and his throne be innocent. If anyone objects, the king said, bring him to me. I can assure you he will never harm you again. Then she said, Please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. I want no more bloodshed. As surely as the Lord lives, he replied, not a hair on your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my lord the king, she said. Go ahead and speak, he responded. She replied, Why don't you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, He devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from Him. I have come to plead with my lord the king because people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the king will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance God has given us. Yes, my lord the king will give us peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God in discerning good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. I must know one thing, the king replied, and tell me the truth. Yes, my lord the king, she replied. Did Joab put you up to this? And the woman replied, My lord, the king, how can I deny it? Nobody can hide anything from you. Yes, Joab sent me and told me what to say. He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. But you are as wise as an angel of God, and you understand everything that happens among us. So the king sent for Joab and told him, All right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. 
Joab bowed with his face to the ground in deep respect and said, At last, I know that I have gained your approval, my lord the king, for you have granted me this request. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order, Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, Go and set fire to Joab's barley field, the next field to mine. So they set his field on fire, as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, Why did your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom replied, Because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Geshur if he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. After this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired fifty bodyguards to run ahead of him. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, You've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment, and so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. After four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. For while your servant was at Geshur and Aram, I promised to sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron. But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. He took two hundred men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo. Soon, many others also joined Absalom in the conspiracy gained momentum. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Then we, then we must flee at once, or it will be too late, David urged his men. Hurry! If we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisers replied. Do what you think is best. 
So the king and all his household set out at once. He left no one behind except ten of his concubines to look after the palace. The king and all his people set out on foot, pausing at the last house to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. There were six hundred men from Gath who had come with David along with the king's bodyguard. Then the king turned and said to Ittai, a leader of the men from Gath, Why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Ittai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my lord the king goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. David replied, All right, come with us. So Ittai and all his men and their families went along. John 18, 1-24 After saying these things, Yeshua crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place, because Yeshua had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Yeshua fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? he asked. Yeshua the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Yeshua said. Judas who betrayed him was standing with them. As Yeshua said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, Who are you looking for? And again they replied, Yeshua the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Yeshua said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement, I did not lose a single one of those you have given to me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Yeshua said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given to me? So the soldiers... Their commanding officer and the temple guards arrested Yeshua and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, It's better that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Yeshua, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Yeshua. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not the one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Inside, the high priest began asking Yeshua about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Yeshua replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. 
Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Yeshua across the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest, he demanded? Yeshua replied, If I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I am speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Then Annas bound Yeshua and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Psalm 119, 97-112 Oh, how I love your instructions! I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path, so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me! They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once, and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much, O Yahweh. Restore my life again, as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Proverbs 16, 8 and 9 Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I want to speak to you today from our Haftor reading from 2 Samuel chapter 14 and 15. And in this chapter, we are seeing uh, the progression of Absalom in David's life. Because Absalom killed someone, because uh, that person had raped Tamar, and David had never taken action to punish or to bring consequences to that person, Absalom takes matters in his own hands and he kills the man. So then, instead of having Absalom executed, um, the Lord puts it on David's heart to put him into exile, and so he's banished from the kingdom. He's banished from the kingdom and he's in exile. And then... Joab arranges for a woman to come before the king and to tell a story, and it's a parable. She tells about how her two sons fought, and one of the sons kills the other. And then all the people are saying, now let's execute your son who killed his brother. And she brings this situation to the king, and the king says, no, you only have one son left. And then she says, well, this applies to you with your son Absalom. Please Bring him out of exile. So King David does, brings him out of exile and lets him return to Jerusalem, but he never sees him. He won't allow him into the palace. So I have some questions about this. David has a real weakness and a vulnerability concerning his son Absalom. 
and he's blind about how Absalom uh, begins to sabotage and undermine him. And Absalom begins to win the hearts of the people of Israel at the city gate by listening to their different cases or uh, matters that they would like to have judged by the king. And he says, well, if I was the king and I was judging this matter, this is what I would do. So he wins all the hearts of the people of Israel and turns them against the king. So David is a man after God's own heart. And yet he's a man that has some real flaws in his character. He had the flaw in his character when it came to uh, sleeping with Ab- with uh, Bathsheba. And then he had her husband, Uriah, executed, killed in the war. Now he's got this real blindness going on with his son Absalom. It's a real weakness. It's his, his Achilles heel. And so because of that, Absalom basically is going to steal the kingdom out from under him. The rulership and the reign over Israel will be taken away from David. And so actually, this is God's judgment upon David. He says, what you did in secret, I am going to have that same sin done publicly. So he cheated with Bathsheba in secret. But later on, as we continue to read on in David's life, when Absalom steals the kingship from him, he's going to sleep with David's concubines on the roof of the house publicly, in public. What David did in secret, now Absalom, his son, is going to do in public, bringing great shame and disgrace upon the role, the position of king over Israel. And so I can see how actually what he sowed, he's now going to be reaping. His sin, um, that, that sin is now reaping tremendous consequences. So I, I just, I'm kind of puzzled because David is a man after God's own heart. And yet he's got these obvious character flaws. So perhaps the encouragement in all of this is that you and I, we can be a man or a woman after God's own heart. And yet we are not perfect. And we have flaws and we fail. Even as David had flaws and he failed. Yet he was still a man after God's own heart, and he was the greatest king that Israel ever had. He was the one and only king that ruled over Israel before it became a divided kingdom. He ruled over all 12 tribes. So may we learn from some of these flaws, character flaws that David had, and that when we sin, there's tremendous consequences to it. And it can affect the generations. And when we repent, as David did repent of his sin with Bathsheba, and yet the consequences of that sin played out all the way to the point that Absalom steals the kingship from him and then lays with the concubines 
on the rooftop in a public arena. And, and so that consequence was a direct result from David sinning with Bathsheba. So we need to really ask the Lord to help us to walk in a holy manner, to stay away from sin, because it affects the generations. May we be people who are set apart and holy, and may we be quick to repent when we mess up. I'd like to wrap it up today with another song. It's called Thy Word, sung by Amy Grant, and it's directly from our Psalm 119 that we read today. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Shalom. Is a lamp unto my feet.
Yevrekka Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.